0: Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm a pastor here. Uh, I was gone last week, so I want to get right to it today because I got a lot to say. And I want to tell you who I think God wants me to reach. Uh, Today's message is for someone who doubts their ability Uh, Is unsure about how they look sometimes, is unsure about who they are or who God created them as, maybe feel they don't fit. Today's message is for people who just don't feel secure in themselves. Have you ever felt insecure about yourself before? Maybe for you, it's physically, like your weight or your body shape or your gender or your sexual orientation. Maybe for you, it's your ability or lack thereof, like your ability to do certain tasks or roles or provide or accomplish or lead. Maybe for you, it's not any of those, but for you, it's your insecure and who maybe you married in the life you're living daily, in the job you have in the future that you're set to go to. As I stated in the first week of this series, if this is you... I think it's important to know you're not crazy, you're not alone, and this will end. Feelings of insecurity are common and can be attacked with God's help, but how? And that's what I hope to address today. We're seeking peace of mind, looking to not just like some new age way of thinking, not some new medication with a ginormous list of side effects, but with what God's word says about how to experience more peace in our minds. And to be a bit comical with you, But also semi serious, I thought I'd share one of my insecurities with you to start. And it's my manliness. It's my manliness. I'm a millennial. So I grew up like before the latest generations, before being emotional and more feminine was like in or cool for a man. Like the images of a real man for me growing up were Hulk Hogan. Right, or John Wayne, or the Dos Equis guy who drinks just an okay beer. This was a lot of the marketing I would see growing up. So to be a good man, I had images of like a hairy chest, tanks, or like, sorry if this is offensive, but back in the day it was like called like a wife beater is like what people called it. That's what a man wore, right? Um, Beards. I, I didn't shave for two weeks and like I got nothing, right? Like muscles but not someone who's in the gym all day. You just naturally have muscles. It was being a man who does wilderness things, afraid of nothing, fixes cars, builds houses, has the tools, hunts, is the one that's a businessman and provides, has, has the white picket fence for their family, is the protector, but also a dad who's on the carpet playing with their kids at the same time, and on and on and on. And I don't know if you can tell, I'm not all of those things. Some of those are just not me. So it left me and still does leave me with some insecurities of, am I a good enough man? And it's when I need to go to God at times with help in attacking this insecurity that I have. Now this is me, but maybe for you, like, you're not a man. (laughs) You're a woman and are insecure about being the mom or the wife or the individual, or the perfect Instagram-worthy person every other woman you feel or think is. Maybe you're a teen, and you're insecure about who you are compared to your friends, or who your family wants you to be, or, or the people you maybe see on TV. Maybe you're an individual that's just, just expected life to look differently at this point. Like, you're insecure about maybe where you're at currently, whether it's your family life, or your work life, or financially. Again, Do you deal with insecurity? Is it robbing you of peace? If you've been there, or if you've been there before, I think you can start to see even like over this whole series that we've been in, The first two weeks uh, of the series, we're kind of piecing everything together. You maybe have realized that a lot of the moments without peace, they're kind of like all connected. Like last week or the first week of the series, we talked about anxiety and worry and how it takes us away from peace in our minds. But why do we worry? Why do we have anxiety and worry? Well, typically because of fear. Because of fear, which was last week's message, and Barb crushed it. But fear for the future, or following through, or how we'll handle things, and and worrying about it. But then why do we worry and fear things? Because we're insecure about ourselves, our position, the life path we're on. So how do we combat this? check out what the amplified bible says about this. If you're unfamiliar with what an amplified bible is is what it does is it gives greater clarity on verses that seem incomplete when they're pulled out of the context or you don't know all that's going on. But the scripture says this. It says 1 John uh, this is 1 John chapter 4 verse 18. There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect complete Full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. What it's saying is complete and full-grown love from God does not fear and is not insecure. If you do, you have not grown into a full understanding of God's love for you. Today, I hope you will be able to start to see how you can have a complete understanding of God's love for you, for being just you? Do you want that security? Do you want to know you will always be seen with value, that you can be secure in yourself, and that there are tools God has given us to combat through or combat thoughts of insecurity? I do. I need those things. But before we like, get into scripture today, I want to ask you, how's your self-talk today? How's your self talk? Like, I get this maybe comes across weird, but we all talk to ourselves, right? We all have like this voice in our minds. What are you saying to yourself these days? Barbara addressed this briefly last week in a message on fear, but for today, what what are you saying about yourself in your mind? Does it is it scattered kinda of like this this dog, like if they were talking like what's up? Come here. Why? Come on, let's go. Where? Let's go for a walk. Where are we going? Where are we going? <laughs> okay. Come on. I'm good. We got the AC on and everything. Boo Boo's out sick of you. Sick of what? Boo Boo's sick of you anyway. Come on. Boo Boo needs to be sick of being fat. Zomi. Hold on. Let me do my stretches. I'm almost done. Zomi. I stand i trying to do my stretches. Okay, I'm done. <sighs> what do you want? Why you keep bothering me? I'm trying to get my exercise <laughs> on. I don't want to be fat like Boo Boo. I got to get over there and finish what I started. This is silly, but but it's real. We can be so scattered sometimes. We compare ourselves to others. We go through negatives and positives, comparing what other people maybe are. Are you positive about yourself in your mind? I mean, I aspire to be kind of like this girl in this next video, and I hope to implement this with my girls at home. Check it out. Is it going to be a good day? Mm -hmm. A really good day? Is it going to be positive? Like I am strong. I am strong. Like I am smart. I am smart. Like I work hard. I work hard. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. Do you do this? Or do you look into the mirror and think, I could be better. I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I know I do at times. Again, for you... Is your insecurity in your ability or gender or looks or parenting or faith or status with God? God never intended for us to experience insecurity, but we do. So let's start fixing it through both acknowledging what God desires and combating insecurity the way Jesus does. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at two specific stories in the Bible. The first one is to show us that we need to know what God thinks of us and how insecurity happens. And it's right in the first three chapters of the Bible. It's in Genesis. In Genesis 1, right after God makes the world and everything in it, uh, all the animals, all the vegetation and everything everything it says this let us make human beings in our image to be like us they will reign so God creates us humans like himself it's saying then it says so God created human beings in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them God created you distinctly in his image in a particular way Then it says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life. God gives us this, everything we need, food, And he also gives us purpose and a role and everything we need. Then you want to know what he thinks of what he's given us and what he thinks of us personally? It says, Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. God says it's good. As in what he has created, you, a human, it's good. I don't know about you. I'd love to go back in those times, right? Right? just seems easier right like you're just you're just everything's good everything's perfect like let's just be for real for a second then analyze it for a second all the food in the world check nature check no shame or hurt check your wife naked with you all the time check it's true this is now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame just lounging together sounds amazing no kids yelling check just you your perfect marriage and your god the only thing God says not to do is you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. I was just in an apple orchard that was out of state, where there was this beauty all around, trees all around, this rock formation. It's just amazing. How could one tree split this up? Like, God has given you a clear identity. He speaks to you, blesses you, gives you purpose, gives you a role to be his image-bearer on earth, and said, you're good. There should be no insecurity ever. And honestly, all that's the same for us today. Like, God created us. We have purpose. We have identity. And he calls us good. There should be no insecurity ever. But something happens in Genesis 3. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now you just saw like what God said just a slide or two earlier. That's not what he said, right? God did not say that they can't eat from any tree. It was one tree. But the serpent starts to create doubt and insecurity. The serpent is a manifestation of evil. Now I want to pause like our creation story for a second and just specifically address what I mean by evil. And for those that maybe come from different faith backgrounds, you might get a little uneasy with some of this. There's a quote that goes like this. It's from a a movie. It says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Anyone know this quote? Anyone know that movie? Only like a few. That was the last service as well. But it's so true today, right? There is a very real and strong opposition in the world. There is such a thing as evil that you need to be aware of. C.S. Lewis it says, that, says this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. That's, that's a lot of us today. Spiritual evil is absolutely real. If you believe the Bible, you can't refute it. In it, we see there, there is a devil, there are demons, there are people controlled by evil. We honestly, we don't know a lot about it all, nor do we want to have this unhealthy interest in, in them, as that, or that quote says. But we see evil definitely impacts life in biblical times, and we have to assume it impacts life today. To give you a little context uh, of evil and what its attempts are today, I want to point you to Revelation. And in it, we can see that the serpent truly was a representation of evil. This is a a historical revelation in the Bible. It says this, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth, and his angels with him. It says the devil is now attempting to lead the world astray. As we look at what happened with Adam and Eve, along with what's happening to us and a lot of our insecurities today, we need to acknowledge that there is a very real opposition to us living our true identity given by God. And he wants to make us insecure. As you hear that, do you notice that today? Like when you look at the world or kind of like analyze the world as a whole, are you like, it looks like Looks like people are living the way God wants. Like, generally, life is happening the way God wanted it to. If so, you've been probably living in a bubble lately because things aren't going super well. They're not. Evil is absolutely present today, pulling people from their identity defined by God. You might be thinking, Aaron, I ain't worried. I'm a Christian. I got muscles. I'm manlier than you. Maybe that's what you're thinking. I'm being silly about the muscles. And as a Christian, we absolutely have a God who overcomes all evil. So we we don't need to worry per se, but evil and the devil are in this spiritual realm as an outside of our worldly context. What this means is unlike us, the spiritual realm, it does not need to sleep. It doesn't need to eat or rest or recover or take a break. The age-old picture of a cute little devil on your shoulder speaking to you, although it's not accurate because it's not cute, it does put a good image that the presence of evil is there always trying to lead you astray, to get you to choose against God when you're, when you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're angry, when you're exposed to wrong, when you're hurt, when you're discontent, when you're struggling. Evil is, is present. Now, I'm not saying all this to, like, scare you, because, again, when you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, the part of God that lives within you and combats for you in the spiritual realm and guides you daily. But you can still be led astray, which is why we need to be continuously close to God and have his Spirit be loud in our ear, giving us our identity. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, it says, be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So you know where a lot of your insecurity comes from? Or at least probably a lot of it comes from? Satan, evil beings, words or statements from people who have been led astray, even just momentarily from evil. So now when we go back to our Genesis story, like with with, with Adam and Eve, again, evil says to Eve, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Again, no, no. It was just one tree. And the woman responds, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Good for her, right? Like, she corrects the serpent. But he's crafty and says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. She stays. She's present. And it says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And they fall to evil. This is the fall of humanity. This is failing to sin or falling to sin, going against what God wants and desires. It's an act that we have all done and participated in. Both the man and the woman were tempted and their insecurity of what they didn't have, it became too prevalent to them. Have you dealt with this before? Again, maybe tempted to thinking you need something more or different Tempted to thinking you aren't all of what you should be. Tempted to thinking like God created you wrong. Or tempted to thinking that you aren't good enough. And in your insecurity, you go against God's desires and fall. We all have. This is what makes us sinful, and it's also what makes us insecure. So, what do we do about this? Well, there's another story in the Bible where a temptation like this happens, but this time it's with jesus and it's in matthew 4 and it's where jesus is tempted by evil to feel insecure and and he's challenged about who he is his ability and his calling and at this point like as we're picking up in matthew 4 jesus he's been starting to prepare for his ministry he's about 30 he literally was just baptized a chapter earlier uh like it was a big public moment of faith but then after this moment he experiences temptation from evil. I just want to pause there before we go into the story and let you know that pattern is all too common. If you do something big for God, maybe invite someone to church, maybe share your faith, maybe you choose to do the God-honoring thing at work, God absolutely blesses these things. But you might first experience temptation to go the opposite way. Where we pick up And see how to rightfully combat temptation, though, and insecurities in Matthew 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What's interesting about this is that shows no human's immune to being tempted and tested by the devil. Jesus is God's son, he's God. Even being connected to God fully, he's still tempted by evil. So you need to be prepared yourself. It says, then, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, what he does is he recites scripture back to him. Then it says, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. I gotta pause here again, sorry. It's hard for me to not add a commentary as I'm going through a whole passage, but this shows the devil or evil can take us places, whether it's places of success or amazement or of our dreams. But just because we're brought to great places, have opportunities or success, doesn't mean it's from God. Anyways, it says, If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you, and you will, they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus doesn't even toy with his incorrect thinking. And then it says, again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow to, down to me and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus calls out the devil and declares for him to leave. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. What we see here is Jesus fully opposing evil, but more importantly, fully opposing insecure thoughts that evil is planting in him. Thoughts on who he is, his ability, and temptation to something outside of what God wants. Jesus handles this perfectly, quite differently than what we see the first humans do, right? So what I want to do is get really practical today and look specifically at what he did that was so different and see if we can replicate it. Because I don't know about you, but I fall the temptation sometimes. I am insecure with some things and I do experience, I believe, attacks from evil. I'm guessing you do too. So if we look at Jesus' story, like we can see to start, Jesus knew his identity as one defined by the creator. Now this seems obvious, but it's an absolute must to combat insecurity. Jesus knew his identity as one to be defined by God. Not what he wanted it to be, not what he felt like it should be, not what everyone else is declaring or is even tempted towards. It's one defined by God. Jesus knew he was a human and creation, or son of God. And again, like literally, before he's tempted by this devil or this, this moment... He heard his identity. After he was baptized, that chapter earlier, he literally hears audibly from God, Matthew 3, 17, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is before he does anything, no ministry, no effort, no sacrifice, no works. All Jesus did was be human and acknowledge God by being baptized. Basically, that's all baptism is. Like, It's a public declaration saying, God, I believe in you and I know that you're greater than me. I need you in my life. I'm set on following you as a creator furthermore. And the God of the universe is well pleased with him simply for that. So when he's tempted by evil, to have to do something or prove himself or to bow down, to be worthy and loved, he knows that's not the ways of God and doesn't get deceived by the evil, whereas Eve does. The evil one pokes her with insecurity. He says, basically, you could have more. You could have more than what God's given you. God designed you not enough. You could be greater than him, maybe. And she buys it. Have you ever thought that? That outside of God's ways, there might be greater? Or that if you do this one thing, you'll be greater? I know I absolutely have. I think we all have. Like, why do you think infomercials work? Right? Infomercials work all the time. People buy this stuff all the time. A shake weight? Why did you buy that? I don't know. Snuggies? It's a blanket. It's a blanket. Or this bear scratching pole that you can use to scratch your back at your house. Yes, people bought these things. I'm sorry if you did, and I'm calling you out. But I get these are silly, but we tend to think there is greater. And if we only had this thing, it'd help, or we'd be better. We look for our identity and having the right stuff in our work, in our success, in our achievement, in our works, in our looks, instead of just being secure in God. We think if we do or change or have this, our life could be greater. Don't get me wrong. Some of those things maybe are super helpful to you. They make your life easier. And and if you change, like, there are some things that, like, if you change or if you buy these things, it will maybe help your life. But they will never give you permanent security. In the first chapter of Genesis, God says, his creation, you, are created like him, in his image. Blessed and good. If you're feeling insecure, you need to know God values you, just being you. You aren't God, you're his creation, but what other traits can be greater than hearing these things from your creator? Now, this isn't saying that just because you're all those things means you're perfect or excellent at anything you put your mind to or desire, God created you, good and blessed and like him, even in your flawed self. But that doesn't mean that you can just be whoever you want, right? Like, I'm not going to be the new quarterback of the Packers. Like I'm just not, even if I want to. God, I'm like you. I should be able to be, like, amazing. No. I'm not going to be the best welder just because I bought one. True story. I actually thought that. Uh, I'm not going to be the greatest all-time builder. I'm not going to be the most servant-like. I'm not the best pastor nor the manliest man, It's not that you're perfect at anything you set your mind to because God sees you with value or good. If you find a desire for one of those things, to be the best or the greatest or the most, you're headed in dangerous territory because you're probably seeking your identity from that thing and will always have insecurities because it's not God. Take Aaron Rodgers, for example. I know it might be a sensitive issue. If you're finding your identity, let's say you're Aaron Rodgers, you're finding your identity from being MVP every year, eventually you're going to have people better than you, right? Eventually you're going to get worse. You will lose your ability and you will deal with insecurity if it's just about being MVP. But to get your identity from God is that you can be secure in knowing you were created good enough for God now and forever. You don't need to do Or earn or have anything extra to be more secure in God, you have a purpose. And although you may not know your exact purpose or niche right now, you are good enough to God. You have everything you need. For you today to get really practical for this first point, do you simply just need to embrace that? Know that God is good with you, just being you, affirming that your value to God, it doesn't change whether you accomplish a lot or are the most amazing Christian or are super skilled or a manly man or a womanly woman or like to get a gazillion likes on social media, if you've never accepted that acceptance from God and finding security in Him alone, know it's available to you. It's just being in a relationship with God like Jesus was. If you've never done that or started a relationship with God, simply tell him in your head, and your heart, God, I want your acceptance. I want security in you. I trust in your adoption of me, even in my imperfections. And when you do that, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. I hope some of you maybe choose to do that today. If you've done that and are still maybe feeling secure right now as a Christian, I think the first thing you should do is, is you need to remind yourself of how far you've come. Right, like Think of the first time you accepted Christ and his adoption of you then. Remind yourself of how he accepted you in that first state and will always accept you no matter your future state. The second thing we can see Jesus do, though, to combat insecurities, Jesus knew scripture, what God says is right and wrong. When insecurities came about what he should do for God, who he is or what his value is, Jesus goes to scripture for answers. We see Jesus does it three times, right? He says, it is written, it is written, it is written, right? He says over and over. We see Eve kind of tries this as well. Like there obviously wasn't scripture in Genesis, but, but she says to the serpent what God told her. Yet after one attempt, she stops. She stops. And we see evil is persistent, In Jesus' case, he knew what was right and wrong to God. He knew his calling from the Father, and he knew his value to God because he knew Scripture. You might be thinking, I ain't Jesus. I ain't Jesus Aaron. I don't know Scripture like him, and I don't think I ever will. And there are no predictions or prophetic things about me in the Bible like there was Jesus. Incorrect. There are absolutely things in the Bible specifically for you. Do you know what God wants from a godly man? There's stuff in there. Do you know what God wants from a godly woman? There's stuff in there. Do you know what God wants from a leader or a parent or a child or a true follower of him? There's stuff in there. God has direction and guidance for you. And and not just you in those generic terms either. But scripture tells us God knew us in the womb personally. Psalm 139.13, it says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So he didn't make a mistake in creating you, and he didn't make a mistake in his scripture that we have today that's meant to guide you. The Bible says in Hebrews 4:12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and in discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Are you seeing what that verse is saying? The Bible's word and direction are active and relevant today. They pierce through our thoughts. They discern our heart's intentions and our insecurities that are coming from the spiritual realm. Today, I I know there are so many insecure thoughts you could have. I don't doubt the temptation and hurt and frustration and attack that you may be experiencing right now and have been experiencing for a long time. But when something is questioning your identity, and who God wants you to be, and what He says you should be, are you going to Scripture with it? Even if it's an answer that you don't want to hear. To be real with you, I thought I'd share a few more of my personal insecurities, that when you take these insecurities to Scripture, you can see clearly, are not of God. They're they're evil. But again, I'll share with you what comes to mind for me. Again, for me, is am I man enough? Am I manly enough? And then it's, I don't think I'm providing enough money for my family, even though we have everything we need. And then it's, I don't know if I'm physically strong enough to protect my family. I feel insecure about that sometimes. And then it's, I'm insecure about speaking God's truth at church because I think, ah, oh, people are going to stop coming if, if it's not fun, or they'll stop serving and they'll stop giving, and, and church is just going dis- to dissolve. And then it's, I'm insecure about how we as a church do ministry sometimes. But when I take these things to Scripture is and I look to see what God says about what's most important for a man. What is true provision for your family? How God is the one who supports a church and not a people-pleasing pastor, and, and that our ministry philosophy is modeled after the Bible. I can find confidence, yet I have to look those things up to experience that confidence. I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Jesus, I want to be able to have scripture in my brain and to recite it when those troubles come. So to get really practical in this point in combating insecurity, I think we all need to start memorizing scripture. If you get my email uh, weekly that comes out, you heard I was on vacation this last week and we went uh, out to Utah for hiking and biking in the national parks and it was awesome. But I literally drove for like 24 hours straight to get home. That was rough. A lot of music, a lot of podcasts, a lot of books, a lot of screaming children. Yeah. But one of the things I was doing is I was listening to just anything, and I was listening to this punk playlist from the 2000s that I grew up with, like emo punk rock hits. And I real, there's like 200 songs or something on there. I know so many song lyrics. It just takes some time, little girl, in the middle of the... You know the song? Yeah. What's my age again? What's my age again? Yeah. Please tell me why. Right? My car's in the front yard. Yeah. Or I'm addicted. I'm addicted to you. Yeah. Right? These songs, I know. I listened to a lot of wretched songs growing up. But I still know so many song lyrics today. Unfortunately, way more than I know scripture today. So I get this is cheesy, but what if you started listening the songs that are scripture? I know growing up, like my family, we did this just a little bit, um, and this is one that came to mind to me, like the seeds of family worship, and like one of the songs that we listened to is this one. Obviously, a little different tone than the, some of the songs I was just singing to you before. But I still remember those words. It came to mind to me instantly when I listened to it. What if you could remember songs? What if you could remember more than even just a few? Like, what if you did one song a week? And whether you hate it or not, you got through the song. I mean, there are some songs on the radio that I'm sure you dread. You just can't stand. But just still listen to it. You still listen through it, but what if you did one song a week? That'd be 52 verses a year. What would that do for you? I get this might be easier for people who are parents right now as the songs are kind of kiddish, and you could be like, come on, Johnny, I guess we're, we're gonna do this for you, when really it's also for you, right? But what, what would 52 verses a year do for you and your child? I mean, I want my kids to have scripture in their minds. I want them to to know Galatians 6, 9, like let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will... When you persevere, you get something from it. I want my kid to know that. Nahum 1, 7, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. I want my kid to know that. I want to know those. Maybe you don't need a song to get those things in your brain and to have some you maybe have some other unique way to memorize scripture, but do something to let it become this active sword to combat insecurity. We see very clearly Jesus used scripture. The last thing is Jesus knew he needed to declare it as evil and remove its power and remove its influence. With Eve, she stayed at the tree. She didn't declare it as evil, she didn't declare it to go away, she didn't move, she stayed. What Jesus did is, Jesus said, away from me, Satan, away from me, Satan, and the evil fleed. And Jesus went out and did amazing ministries afterwards. He embraced his identity from God, he lived out his calling, his unique purpose. Now I'm not saying like, you just need to say, away from me, Satan, and then you'll, everything's good, everything's easy. Say it one time and they'll flee. Nor if your security is coming from a person or a friend, I don't think the first thing you should say to them is, away from me, Satan. It might get really personal and awkward then. Not really advisable. But when you notice something as evil, do you address it in a way that removes it from influencing you? I don't have much time left today, but when I planted this church, just to give you a little insight. Eight months before the launch, I had someone say to me directly, your method of ministry in church will never work or grow people here in Fond du Lac. Six months before the launch, COVID hit. That wasn't fun. And then three months before the launch, my family had a house fire in which we had to be out of our house for six months. These were crying, devastating, hurtful moments for me. But after a while... My wife and I, we just had to chuckle about it and be like, away from us, Satan. Away from us. I think something really special happens here at this church every week, but without declaring away from me, Satan, in those moments and not letting those negative thoughts permeate my mind, we probably wouldn't be here today. What I'm trying to show you is when you are dealing with insecurity and you know God values you and you're stepping out into your calling or your niche spot that is for you and you know you're not doing anything contrary to Scripture, you need to know you will absolutely experience evil and insecurity. Honestly, if you don't experience insecurity or evil, I'd be more afraid that you're not doing something meaningful for God. What Jesus did is he calls out the evil and had it removed for you to do that again in a practical way maybe you need to declare it uh declare it to leave maybe you need to personally leave the room or the organization or the place that you're getting it from maybe you need to remove yourself from that person for a while maybe you need to replace the thought every time it comes to mind you replace it with something else maybe you need to confess your situation or feeling to another because there's freedom in confession scripture says but if you feel you are living out God's calling, the last thing you should ever consider doing is stop or quit resisting the temptation. James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus did, and he fleed and did the most amazing ministry afterwards. That could be you. So if you're struggling with insecurity and it's robbing you of peace, do what Jesus did. Jesus Jesus knew his identity as one defined by the creator. Jesus knew scripture, what God says is right and wrong. And Jesus knew he needed to declare it as evil and remove its power and influence. I'm gonna pray that we experience God's full love and security in him as the first verse that we started with says and that we attack any insecure thought using what Jesus did, not what Eve did. Would you pray with me as I ask for God to give us the promptings to do what Jesus did when insecurity comes? Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example of how to handle insecure thoughts. God, I just pray that when we're aligned with you, and we know our identity comes from you, God, I just pray that we can can call out evil. God, I just pray that we can continue to move forward with what you want from us. God, help us know how to handle insecurity and continue to look to you for direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.